The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Daf Yud Tet. Today's daf is being studied Le'ilun Ishmat Avraham ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen Today's daf is being studied Le'fuat Shilema Hayim David ben Adel Enna Refanalo, Enna Refanalo, Enna Refanalo Fatanefesh Ulfuataguf Ulfuatokir Badabo Vechen Yirasov Venomar Amen We begin today's daf on Yudtet Amud Rishon Right on the top line of the Gemara. Tana, we learned in a Braita. Lelamedo Hafina. We learned in our Mishnah that during the seven days of sequestering, the Bet Din would dispatch Zikne Kehuna. The elders of the Kehuna, they would go to the Kohen Gadol and they would take them to a place called Bet Abtinas. That's the place where they used to make the ketoret. The family of Abtinas was in charge of making the ketoret. And it was over there, they would teach the Kohen Gadol the very difficult procedure of making what's called hafinat ketoret. Where he actually had to uh, take a handful or uh, two handfuls of the ketoret. However, it was done in a special procedure which needed practicing. So that's what they would uh, prepare for him in Bet Abtinas, teaching him the um, system of Hafina. Comes the Gemaran continues. Amar Rapapa. Rapapa said, Shete le Tayulo le Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol actually had to his use two different chambers. Ahat Lishkat Parhedrin, Ahat Lishkat Bet Abtinas. One was the Parhedrin, which we know he was sequestered, and that's where he slept. And you also had the Lishkat Bet Abtinas. Now she says on the second line, Lilmod Hafina. That's where he would study the Hafina, uh, the. Uh, Taking out palmfuls of the ketoret. Ahat basafon vaachat badarom. One of these offices was in the north and one was in the south. The Gebarah doesn't tell us yet which one was where, but it says one was in the north of the Beit HaMikdash and one was in the south. Ahat basafon, now we're going to prove to you. One was in the north, how do you know? Ditnan, because we learned in a Mishnah. Vav Lishakot Ayub Azara. 
there were six chambers in the Azara, in the courtyard. Gimel Basafon, the Gimel Badarom. There was three in the northern side and three on the southern side. Shibadarom, the ones on the southern side, Lishkata Melah, which literally means the chamber of salt. Lishkata Parva, which we'll see what that means. Lishkata Madihin, and the chamber of the uh, cleaning or washing. Lishkata Melah, what are these chambers serving? So the chamber of salt, Shishamayu Notnin Melah Lekorban. That's where they used to put the salt on the Qurban. As we know, the Pasuk says, Al-Kol Qurban Echat Akrib Melah. But in every Qurban, it has to be salt. So there's a special chamber where they had the salt that they would put on the Qurban. Lishkata Parva, Shishamayu Molhin Orot Kadashim. That's where they used to uh, salt. The skins that were taken from the animals of Kodashim. Which means it was like, uh, almost like a, a tannery where they would tan the uh, skins. Now, the reason why it was called Lishkata Parva, the Benu Ubayyabar Tenura says that there was a certain magician, a Mikhashif, and his name was Parva. And he built it Al Yedekishuf. He built the uh, chamber with uh, sorcery, with um, with magic, and therefore they named it uh, on him. The Rambam writes in his Perush that he built in the wall of this lishka a hole in order that he could see the service of the Kohen Gadol, and he died over there as well. The Tosfot Yom Tov uh, points out. That it was called Lishkata Parva for a different reason. Parva would be a combination of Orot Parim, which means the skins of the Parim, of the animals that were skinned over there and actually salted and tanned. And anyway, that was called Lishkata Parva. The Al on the roof of this Lishka, uh, of this chamber, Hayeta Betebila Le Kohen Gadol Kipurim. There was actually a mikveh that was uh, built on top of the roof of that office where the Kohen Gadol would go into it on Yom HaKippurim. Now, uh, some say that was one of the uh, things that this fellow Parva, the magician, did. He was able to build a mikveh uh, on the roof and in a very... Um, a deceiving structure where the water was able to go through the walls up to the roof. So it looked like it was built through Ma'asek Yishuf, even though it wasn't. Even though, of course, it was done according to the halakha, but it looked like a magical thing that the water would go through the walls up to the roof where the mikveh for the Kohen Gadol was. Comes the Gemara continues. Lishkata Madihin. The Lishkab the Madihin of literally the cleaning Shamayu Madihin Kirbe Kadashim. That's where they used to clean the innards of the Qurbanot before they would place them on the Mizbayah. Umisham Mesiba. And over there they had a circular stairway. Mesiba Melashon Sobeb, which means it was a circular uh, stairway made out of stones. That they were able to get to the roof of Beta Parva to go to the Mikveh. 
So therefore, the spiral staircase in the Lishkat Madihin, you were able to access the area of the Megveh. Comes the Gemara continues. So those were the three Lishakot in the south of the Azara. Gimel Shebasafon, and then we have the three Lishakot that were in the northern side of the Azara. What were they? Lishkat Ha'etz, literally the chamber of wood. Lishkat Agola, uh, which uh, literally means the exilees, the exiles uh, chamber. Lishkat Agazit. Lishkat Agazit. Gazit is a type of uh, stone. The stone uh, chamber. The uh, Gemara explains each one. Lishkat Ha'etz. Amar Bili Ezer bin Yaakov. Shachahti ma'ita mishamishet. Because I actually forgot what exactly was the usage of that one. Abba Shaul Omer. Lishkat Kohen Gadol Ha'ita. Which means that was actually the office. Right. Which means it was the office of the Kohen Gadol. Which means that was the uh, Parhedrin. That's where the Kohen would sleep. That's where his uh, his uh, place was. So they called it Lishkat Ha'etz. Hayta Achore Shetehem. Now actually, the Lishkat Parhedrin was slightly removed behind the other two offices. Which is just, we said you had three offices in the north side. So they weren't parallel to each other. The Lishkat Pani was a little uh, recessed back. Vegag Shiloshtan Shavot, or Shaveh. But the roofs of the three Lishakot uh, were equal. Which means they shared one common roof, but it was a little recessed back. Now, the question would be, why would they call the Lishkat Panedrin, why would they give it that name, Lishkat Ha'etz. So the uh, Mefarshim explain, because if you remember there was another office in the Beit HaMikdash called Lishkat Beit Ha'even. Mm-hmm. That was the place where the Kohen Gadol would prepare the Para Aduma. And since all the Kelim that were used in preparation for Para Aduma were made out of stone, in order that they do not be Kabel Tum'ah, so they called that office Lishkat Beit Ha'even. So in order to separate between that office of the Paraduma, which is called the Shkapeta Even, they called the office of the Kohen Gadol, where he used to uh, sleep, they called it the Shkat Bet Ha'etz, in order to make the uh, difference. Because on Kippur, the service was not done with uh, Kili Abalim. The service was done with regular Kili. So therefore, they wanted to show uh, the uh, difference. Furthermore, it was a Musar to the Kohen Gadol. They wanted to tell him, do not mess up your service on Yom Kippur. Uh, and uh, therefore they referred to him like wood. Because wood is able to spoil. Wood is able to go, uh, to become rancid. Uh, uh, it can rot. And therefore they're telling the Kohen Gadol, be careful. You're like wood. Either you could spoil the Avodah, or the Pasuk says, Sadiq Katamar Yifrah. That the Sadiq sometimes is compared to a cedar tree. And therefore, this Lishkat Beta'etz would remind him of how sensitive his job is, how he must, he must take care that he succeeds and does everything correctly. Lishkat Agola, then you had the, uh, the chamber of the 
exiles, Rashi tells us, Tashkata Gola, Al Shem Bor Shekarusham Ole Gola. The exiles that came from Babel. So they went and they dug a uh, cistern in that area of the Beit HaMikdash. So they called that uh, area Lishkat Hagola. Shamaya Bor Hagola. That was the bor that the exiles dug over there. Vagalgal Natun Alav. And the Galgal literally is the wheel uh, that was used in order to draw the water from the bor. So it was placed over it in order to draw the water. Natun Alav. Umisham Maspikim Mayim Lechol Azara. And that's the water source for all the people in Azara. They would use it from the Shkatagola, they would draw water from the, the bore that was there. Shkatagazit, Yadi the Shkatagazit. So the Mephashim explained it was built from stones called Abne Gazit. Why? Because we're going to learn that the Sanhedrin sat in this uh, office, and if out of Kavod for the Sanhedrin, they built it out of very, very impressive stones. Shabaya Sanhedrin Shel Yisrael Yoshevet. That's where the Sanhedrin of Israel used to sit. Vedana et Kohanim, and they would actually judge the Kohanim. What were they judging? So it says, Umishinim Sabo Psul. If a Kohen, let's say, was found. So the Kohen now would dress in black clothes And cover himself in black And they would have to leave the Beth HaMikdash And if the Sanhedrin rendered a Kohen to be fit He would put on the white clothes And cover himself in white and he would go and serve with his brothers, uh, the Kohanim. Now, it should be pointed out that this Lishkata Gazit had to be built on the whole side, on the side of the Azara that was not Kodesh. Why? Because Sanhedrin used to sit and judge. And we know that in the Azara itself, no one's allowed to sit unless somebody descends from Malchut bin David. And therefore, if the Sanhedrin was sitting in this office, you have to say it was on the side that did not have Kedushah. First, so therefore, we proved from this Braita uh, that one of the offices, one of the chambers was in the northern side. Because we started our Gemara today saying, what, the Kohen had two offices. One in the north and one in the south. So we're saying now that Lishkata Etz, that was the Kohen's office, that was in the northern side of the Bet HaMikdash. Now we have to prove that he had an office on the southern side. Mm-hmm. So the Gebara says, Ahat Badarom, and one of his offices was in the south, how do you know? Ditnan, because we learned in Masechet Middot, Shiva Sha'arim Ayub Azara. There were seven gates in the Azara. Gimel Basafon, the Gimel Badarom. Again, three in the north and three in the south. And one in the east. Now we discuss the ones on the south. First one was called Sha'ar Adeleka, which is the literally the gate of a fire. Second to it was called Sha'ar Akorban. 
that she writes, he doesn't know why it was uh, these uh, the shakot were called like this. The Abdurrahman explains that Shara Deleka was called that because they used to enter through that gate the wood that they used to place on the Mizbayah. And this was called Sha'ar Hadeleka. Um, fine. Comes the Gemara and continues. Shili Shilo Sha'aramayim. Now the reason why it was called Sha'aramayim is because it was that was the gate that they used to bring the Nisuchamayim on Sukkot through that gate to place on the Mizbayah. The Gemara continues. Sheba Mizrah, the gate that was in the east. Sha'ar Nikanor. As we know, the Nikanor gate, that, that was right past the Ezrat Nashim, and that went into the area where the Ezrat Israel was, followed by the Ezrat Kohanim. Mm-hmm. And they called it Nikanor because Nikanor brought these gates back from Mislayim. And that was the main entrance, we can say, of the Ezrat uh, Israel in the Beta Mikdash. Ayusham. And there were actually two chambers over there. Achat bimino, v'achat bismono. One to the right, and one to the left. And what were these chambers? Achat lishkat pinchas of labish. There was a special chamber that was called the chamber of pinchas, the one that dressed the Kohanim and undressed them. She's with the Kohanim had to serve. That's where special begadim. So it was a special place called Lishkat bin Hasab Nabesh, and he was in charge of dressing them. The Kohen Gadol every day had to bring a special mincha, it was called Minhat Habitin Shal Kohen Gadol, Mahasitoba Boker, Mahasitoba Irem. Half it was brought in the morning, and half in the afternoon, and that's where they used to make this mincha of the Kohen Gadol. Now, Shebasafon, now we discuss the ones that were in the North. We just discussed the ones that were in the south and the east, and then the two the shakot that were uh, next to it. And now we discuss the north side. Sha'ar Nitzot, the gate of light. Okay, rays of light. Nitzot. Binyan Aksadra Aya. It was built like an Aksadra, like a uh, a. A pavilion or a porch that had two walls. We're going to learn that it had an open roof. Mm-hmm. Which means on the uh, walls, you had a, a structure built over it. However, it was not roofed. And therefore, it seems that the, uh, like the light was able to uh, penetrate through the lishka. Visham kuanim shomrim Uldiim milmata. In that uh, gate, that's where the uh, Kohanim and the Leviim used to watch the Bet Hamikdash. As we know, it's a mitzvah from the Torah that the Bet Hamikdash is guarded. Mm-hmm. So the Kohanim in this shahar would watch the Bet Hamikdash from above, and the Leviim from below. The shlifnim emenu hachel. Now, within uh, the walls. Excuse me. Vesham Christian and Alim Rata Vishilifni Memenu. Okay, I think we have it in parentheses and we take those words out. The Gima. The Bach. The Bach takes those words out. So the Gemara says Vishilifni Memenu Hachel. 
which means that behind one of the uh, walls was a petach, and from that petach, like it was like a little corridor that you were able to access uh, outside the azara, but you were able to access into the hell, which was the a large courtyard. Right, there was a door that you entered from there into the hell. Shenilo Shahara Kurban. The second office or gate next to it was called Shara Kurban. That's where they used to bring the Kodshe Kodashim, that like a Kurban Khatat. Kurban Khatat, for example, Shaitato Basafon. You have to slaughter it in the north. So therefore, on the, the north side, they would have a gate where you'd bring the Kodshe Kodashim in through that gate. Shilishilo, the third gate, Shahar Bet Amoked. Like we learned, since the Kwanim used to walk barefoot in the Bet HaMikdash, it used to be very cold for them. And therefore they used to have a special chamber where they had fires over there where they would go in and they could warm themselves up. Vitanya. And we learned, Hamesh Tebilot Vahasara Kedushin Tovel Kohen Gadol Um Kadesh Bo Bayom. On the day of Kippur, the Kohen Gadol had to dip five times, and he had to make what's called Asara Kiddushin, which means Kiddush Yadav Raglav, where he had to uh, wash his hands and his feet. So there's ten, there's five total immersions of Tebilah, and then there's ten uh, washings of his uh, hand and feet, that's from the Kiyor of the Bet HaMikdash, the special sink that was designated for those Kedushin. Tobel Kohen Gadol Kedush Bobayom Vechulan Bakodesh And all those Tebilot, of course, had to be done in the Kodesh. Because the Pasuk says, V'rachat B'Sorob HaMaim B'Makom Kadosh. So therefore, it has to be done in a place that is Kadosh. However, the Gemara says, Chutz Mizu except for the first Tibilah, which is the first Tibilah that the Kohen Gadol dips uh, on Yom Kippur, is not really for the story of Yom Kippur. Which means it's a standard Tibilah that anybody that's going to enter the Bet Megdash area has to make a Tibilah. Right. So therefore, that was uh, done even outside the Kodesh area. Shaita Bahol al that was done in the uh, hall area in a place called the Shahar Amayim. Ubsad Lishkato Aita. And the end of the Brayta clearly says, and the Lishkat Amayim, where the Kohen Gadol went to the uh, Megveh, was next to, uh, he had an office next to it. Now, that was in the southern side. Right. And therefore, we learned that what? That the Kohen Gadol actually had two offices. One in the northern side, like we proved from the first Braita, and that we proved from the second Braita, he had a second office on the southern side. So now the Gemara says, Velo yada'na ilishkat parhidrin basafon, vilishkat petaptiras badarom. Which means on the northern side, we know he has an office, but it called it Lishkat Ha'etz. So therefore, we don't know, is Lishkat Ha'etz Lishkat Padedrin? Which we don't know exactly which one is in the north and which one is in the south. Certainly he had two offices, that's clear. The bright thoughts are explicit. The question is, which one was where? Was Abtinas in the north or was it in the south? Was Paladrin in the north or was it in the south? So the Gibbara says, Oh, Mistabra, logic. Tilishkat Paladrin, where he slept, Badarom Havai. It was in the south, next to the Tevila place. Because we learned that what? 
he would have to go uh, and make a uh, tibida, go to the Beit Tibila. My ta'ama, what's the reason? So the Gemara explains. Magdim v'ka'eh. It's going to give you the, the uh, schedule of the Kohen Gadol when he wakes up in the morning. Magdim He wakes up, he gets out of bed. Umesech et raglav. Of course, he goes to the bathroom, he relieves himself, and now he has to go to the Mikveh before he enters the Beit HaMikdash, before the Azara. Because the Halakha says anybody that uh, uh, relieves himself, anybody that uh, has to go to the bathroom, after he finishes, he has to go to make a Tebilah, before he goes into the Azara. V'tabil. So, very convenient. Right next to his uh, sleeping quarters, mm-hmm. next to the Panadrin, he had the Beta Tabila. So right away, he was able to go to the uh, Mikveh. V'azil lat Safon. And then he would go to the Safon, to his other chamber. Right? He'd look across, right from the south, he'd go to the north, to his second chamber. V'gabar hafina. He would go to Beit Aptinas, and he would learn in that office the Hafina, like we learned the, uh, the Maaseh Ketoret, the way to make the Ketoret on Kippur. Okay, we're talking about the seven days over here of sequestering. Then he would go to the Beit HaMikdash that day, and he would do the Avodah. Close to the evening, Maddu Aleh. As we learned, seven days of the sequestering, they would sprinkle on him the waters of Paraduma, just in case he was Tamemet. So therefore they wanted to make sure that he gets sprinkled at least on the third and seventh day of his process in order to make sure that he is Taor. So it says, Vehadar Aziladdarom Vitabil. Then he'd have to walk back to the south in order to go to the Mikveh. If you remember we learned the Kota Shitab Rabbi Akiba that uh, the one that gets sprinkled on, if he's tahor, he gets tameh. And therefore this Kohen Gadol really was tahor. We're just sprinkling him, just in case he might have come in contact with Tum'at Meh. So therefore, after they sprinkle him, he becomes tameh. So he walks back to the southern side, to the Shara Tevila. And then after he goes to the Mikveh, he goes right next door to the Shkat Panedrin, which we assume is on the southern side, and he goes to sleep. So the Gemara is making sense here that according to the uh, schedule of the Kohen, it makes sense. He gets up, goes to the Mikveh, which is right next door to him, then he walks to, to the Bet Abtinas, he learns the Ketoret, he works in the Bet Amikdash, he gets uh, sprinkled, and he walks back to the Mikveh, and he goes to sleep. Which means it's a logical uh, flow for him to serve, and these offices be where they are. So he says, mm-hmm. But if you're going to say that the Panedrin was in the Safon, which is on the opposite side, Magdim, we'll give the schedule again. He gets up, right? He goes to the bathroom, that's on the north. He's got to walk all the way across to the Darom to go to the Mikveh. And then, after he finishes... Uh, going to the uh, Mikveh, he goes over there in the Darom side, and he also will learn the Hafina uh, from the Bet Abtinas. And then he goes to the Bet Abtinas, and of course he does the service the whole day. Close to the evening, they sprinkle on him. Right? Now he's got to walk back to the south in order to go to the Mikveh. And then he's got to walk back to the Safon, and he goes to sleep. 
Well, you think we're going to burden the Kohen Gadol so much that he has to keep on walking back from north and south in order to go from the Mikveh to the sleeping quarters? That's too much of a Tadha. So the Gemara assumes because of the Tadha factor, it makes more sense to say that the the Lishakot uh, of the Paredrin uh, was in the south and right next to the Shara Tebila, where he was able to go to the Shara Maim, where he was able to go to the Mikveh. Comes the Gemara and says, Alamano. Why are we, why? You, you, you think uh, we, we make a dispensation that we don't want the Kohen to be Matriach himself, to burden himself? Why not? Which is the Gemara is going to give us reasons. Maybe it was by design that we want the Kohen Gadol to burden himself, to have to walk from north, south, uh, uh, back and forth. Why? So the Gemara says, Alama lo. Are we not going to Matriachim? Matriachina letafeh. On the contrary, we should want him to be matriach more. Yeah. Why? The eat siduki who? Because let's say the kohen gadol is siduki, meaning he's not obviously reshamam, as we learned several times already. That in the times of the second bet Mikdash, they had infiltration of siddukim that were not traditionally following the halachot, and they were as kohen gadolim. So it says lefrosh. Which means we want to tire him out. Yeah. Which means if there's seven days of sequestering, we make a walk back and forth. The guy might say, you know what? He's not the Shem Shemaim anyway, this Siduki. So he might say, hey, this is too difficult for me, all this walking back and forth. So on the contrary, we should make a system to put the Lishkat uh, Paredrin on the other side of the Beta Tabila, the Sharamayim, in order to tire out the Siduki. Iname, or an alternate answer. Even if he's a kasher kohen, you don't want the kohen to become arrogant. Which means, as if you're making everything so easy for him. He gets up in the morning, goes right next door to the Beit Tebila. We want to humble him. Let him uh, walk a couple of times back and forth. Because if you're not going to say that you want to matriach him, which means, if already you're not interested in being Matiyah, put everything on one side. Mm-hmm. Put the Bet Abtinas on one side, put the Paredrin on one side. So it's on the same side. So what, why even make the guy have to walk from Bet Tebilah to the other side to Bet Abtinas? Just put everything on there. So obviously there is a factor over here of Tirha. Which means, or make him one office. The same office that he sleeps in, you can make it the office of the Hafina Abtinas. Which means, what did you make two offices to start off with? Automatically, it's going to be a tirha. He's got to walk from one office to the other. So you see, the Gemara uh, is concerned that there should be some sort of tirha involved in the process. And therefore, you have no proof. The old proof was to say to what? That the Lishkat Padedrin was in the south. Because she said, oh, that's the most logical way to give the Kohen Gadol less Tadha in the service. Yeah. So the Gemara says, if that's your whole logic, Tadha, you have no proof to where the office is well. Because mm-hmm. I can argue with you that on the contrary, I put Lishkat Paredrin in the north, and let him be Matriach to walk to the south, to the Beta Tabila, because there is an Inyan either to root out the Tzedukim, or to keep the Kohen Gadol humble. And you see from the fact that they did make two offices, but they didn't do it in one room, that they, the, uh, the uh, Hachemim were concerned that there should be some sort of Tircha in the process. Right. Now, we learned back in the Mishnah. The Amrulo, they tell the Kohen Gadol, Ishi Kohen Gadol. Right? They tell him, my master, the Kohen Gadol. 
And the Mishnah continued, Anu Shiluhe Bedin. Right? The Achamim uh, would tell the Kohen Gadol, we are messengers from the Bedin. Ve'ata Shiluhenu. And you are our representative, you are our messenger. Ve'shaliyah Bedin. And you also representing the Bedin. So the Gemara says, Lema Tevet. And again, what would they do? They would make him swear that he doesn't deviate from the service of the uh, Korbanot on Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, Lema Tevet Can we say that this is going, our Mishnah is a question on the Bi Yoshua. Why? These Kohanim that serve in the Beit HaMikdash, Shiluhe which means they are serving as messengers of God. Mm-hmm. They're not serving as our messengers. Which means, let's understand what this means. Obviously the Avodah of the Korbanot is only kasher, especially on Kippur, with a Kohen Gadol. Now, a Zar, a stranger, Israel, obviously cannot bring a Korban. Um, it must be done by the Kohen itself. Now, in the Gemara Nidarim, on Dafla Amud Bet, the Gemara over there is a sefik. If a Kohen that's bringing a Korban for a certain person, is he considered the Shaliyah of a Kadosh Baruch Hu in bringing that Korban? Or is he considered the Shaliyah of the person that is bringing the Korban on his stead? Now, there's a difference between these two options. Which is, let's say the Bala Korban made a Nidir. He made a vow that he's not going to benefit from such and such Kohen. He makes an end. He got upset at the guy. I don't want to have any Hana'ah from this Kohen. Now, if you're saying that the Kohen's a, a, a Shaliyah of Hashem, I'm not having any benefit. I'm bringing the Korban, but he's bringing it as a Shaliyah of a Baruch Hu. So therefore, that Kohen would be able to bring such a Korban, because he's not giving him any benefit. However, um, if you say that he's a shaliyah of the person that's bringing the korban, so therefore he's giving him hana'ah. Therefore he would not be allowed to uh, serve this korban. So now the Gebalah says, uh, according to this Mishnah, they clearly tell him, you're our shaliyah. Hey listen, don't deviate from the service over here. You're representing us. So the Gemara says, hey, that's a question on the, the Shita over there that says that the Kohanim are really messengers of <laughs> Because if you're going to say that the Kohen Gadol actually is a messenger of the people, can you say that a shaliyah is able to do something that the one that's sending him cannot, which means if I'm sending somebody on a shaliyah, that means I could have done it myself, but instead of opting to do it myself, I let the shaliyah do it. He says over here by the korbanot, the mishaliyah, he cannot bring the korbanot over here, which means it's uh, forbidden to bring the korbanot on uh, Kippur, for that matter, on a regular day. Which is the zar that brings the korbanot is pasul. So therefore... How, how did you tell me that the Kohen Gadol is a shaliyah of the people? The people cannot bring the Korbanot uh, in that place. So therefore, the Gemara wants to say that Al Mishnah obviously is not going like that opinion that says that they were the shaliyah of the uh, Rahmanah. Because Al Mishnah says clearly you are our uh, messenger.
comes the Gemara and says, no, I can really tell you that our Mishnah is following Ravuna and Rabbi Yoshua. How? This is what the Hakamim tell the Kohen Gadol. Which means, regarding the Shivua, we are representing the Beddin and the people. Which means, we are making you swear that you do not deviate from the service of the Beit HaMikdash as representatives of the uh, Beddin. That is representatives of the people. Al da'atenu, which is on our uh, knowledge that we're making you swear. Ba'al da'at beddin. And as, as messengers of the beddin, we are dispatched to go and uh, make you do a shivu'ah. And therefore, really, I can tell you, the Mishnah is going with the opinion that says that the queen indeed is shiluhayah rahmana. He's a servant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Comes the Gemaran says, <laughs> After they make him swear, right? So it says the Kohen walks away crying. And the elders that made him swear that he doesn't deviate, they walk away also crying. So the Gemara is going to understand it. Why is everybody crying over here? So the Gemara says, The Kohen Gadol walks away and he cries. Because they suspected him for being a tzeduki. Uh, that's why they make him swear. They swear, swear that you're not going to deviate. What's the deviation we're concerned about over here? Because we're worried that he might prepare the ketoret on the coals outside of the Kodesh Kodeshim and then bring it inside the Kodesh Kodeshim. The way the ketoret was prepared on Kippur was everything was in the Kodesh Kodeshim. The preparation of the ketoret was inside as well as the haktara. But the tzedukim had a different understanding. The tzedukim understood you do it, you prepare it outside, then you bring it in. So they would warn the Kohen Gadol during the seven days of sequestering. Listen, swear to us that you're not going to perform the ketoret ceremony according to the uh, system of the tzedukim. So after they would make him swear, they would cry because they suspected him. Ve'em porshim. Again, I'm sorry. Who poreshuboche? The Kohen walks away crying. Because they suspected him as a tzeduki. And they walk away crying. Because we have a rule. Anybody that suspects somebody that's innocent causes damage to come upon himself. And therefore they were scared. They said, maybe this guy's really innocent, this Kohen. And we're making him swear, that means we're suspecting him. So they would cry for themselves. Where do we learn this principle of from Moshe Rabbeinu? When God told Moshe Rabbeinu to take out the Jewish people, He said, What do you mean, God, they're not going to believe me. So God said, what do you mean? They're ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. You're suspecting people that are going to believe. Put your hand in your uh, in your pocket. And when Moshe Rabbeinu took it out, his hand was filled with leprosy. And the Hakamim explained why. Because he suspected Klai Yisrael. He was Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore he got punished. The Kolkach Lama. What are we concerned about? Shelo yitaken b'chutz v'yechnis 
Kedirik Shesidukim Osim. We don't want it to prepare the Ketorin outside of the Kodesh Kodeshim and then bring it inside. That was the procedure of the Tzidukim. Comes the Gemara and says, Tanu Rabbanan, have a story. Ma'aseh b'Tzidduki Echad. It was a story of a Kohen that was a Tzidduki. Shitkin b'Bachus v'Chnis and he prepared the Ketorit outside and he brought it inside the Kodesh. B'Siyato haya sameyah sibha gedona. When he came out, he was very happy. Pagabo Abif. So the father of that Tzidduki met him. Amar lo beni, my son. anu. Even though we are tzedukim and we follow tzedukim practice, anu But still, we're scared of the hakamim. We're scared of the pirushim because the rabbis have a different interpretation, and therefore. Uh, you shouldn't have brought the ketoret uh, like you did. She says, I know we hold like we hold. But you know what? The hachamim argue on us. And we don't do that on Kippur. We don't play around on Kippur to go against the words of the Pirushim. And here you, you, know, you, 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 you made the ketoret outside the Kodesh. Amar lo. So the Tzidukit tells his father, Kol yamaya iti mitzta'er al mekna zeh ki be'anan She's the Pasuk says by the Ketoret, that the, the cloud of the Ketoret of the Ketoret is going to be in the Kaporet, by the Kodesh Kodeshim is going to rise up. So all my life I'm waiting to fulfill this uh, Pasuk over here. Amarti, Matayavoli Adiv Akayemena. I said, when am I going to have the chance to fulfill this Pasuk? Akshav Shebali Adi, Lo Akayemenu. Well, now that I have the chance, I'm not going to fulfill it, which means he prepared it outside. So now his father told him, oh, don't bring it in. Because, you know, we follow the hakamim over here. You're going to bring it in, the hakamim are against it. So what are you talking about? All my life I'm waiting to fulfill this pasuk over here. And therefore now you're going to tell me, I have a chance to do it, I'm not going to do it? So he brought it in. And what happened? The Yomara says, Amru, Do'ayu yamim mu'atim, he died and his body was thrown into the garbage dump and the worms were coming out of his nostrils that she says why that's the uh the beginning of the limbs of the body, the kanes labayit. When a person enters the kodesh, what's the first thing that enters? His nose, because his nose protrudes. So therefore, since he went into the kodesh illegally, so therefore the first limb, that's where the punishment started. The worms came to his nose. Again, should he show the barim kanes labayit? The fishu bolet lefanav, because it protrudes in front of him. Kedavad na mevi basirat shivot. Nechnas the beta menugad derech achorav vafi vafilu nechnas kulo chutz mechotamot tahor. Ad ma'abad derech achorav nechnas chotamot aharon. She's the Gemara. Another place says when a person is walking backwards into a place that's tameh, the last part of his body to become tameh is his nose. Implying that well, when he's walking straight, the first thing that becomes Tamir, let's say, or in this case, Isud, would be his nose. So there's a reason why it happened like that. Now look at the Rashi before. Mibachutz. Ba'echal ayu notin otat tzedukin ala'esh. The tzedukin would prepare the ketoret on the fire outside. Ne'echal. 
And then they would bring it in. Why? Do not go into the Kodesh. Meaning you have to go in already and it's a cloud of smoke already. Mm-hmm. Just don't go in with the shovel and then make the ketoret. Go into the Kodesh with smoke already. That's the way they would do it to Pasuk. Now, which means it says don't go into the when should you go into the Kodesh only go in when you have the banana ready so this is what happened in the story I repeat the story a little more accurately this time he went and did the Ketoret he did it he did it outside he went inside his father told him listen you did a mistake here. Even though we're tzedukim, we don't usually uh, follow tzedukim practice because we're concerned about the hakamim. So he came along and said, what do you mean? All my life I'm waiting to fulfill this dirasha. Which means I'm waiting to go into the Kodesh with the smoke already. Now I had a chance to do it. You're going to tell me I should follow the pirushim, I should follow the hakamim. And as a result of that, that he did not follow the halakha correctly, according to the tradition, he died a very uh, miserable death. And the Gemara continues to tell us about his death. Mm-hmm. And some say, Some say he died immediately. The second he came out of the Kodesh Kodashim, he got, uh, he got uh, uh, smitten down immediately. Because we have a Braita of Rabbi Hayyah. There was like a voice that was sounded, a noise that was sounded in the Hazara. Mm-hmm. And Malak came into the Hazara and uh, smacked him on his face, and which killed him. And the Kohanim, his brothers came and they saw the guy dead on the floor, and they found Ben Ketefab. They saw an imprint of the foot of a egel, of a calf that was imprinted between his shoulders. Which means the Malach kicked him with his legs. Now the bottom of the angel's legs is like the footprint of an egel, of a calf. So it seemed that the Malach came and kicked him. So it made an imprint of an Egel's footprint on his shoulders. You see clearly in Yahizkel, the Pasuk tells us that the legs of the Malachim have the imprint of a calf. So therefore the Malach came and killed him and they saw the imprint of a calf on his body. Comes the Gemara continues. Amar Rabbi Zechariah bin Kevutal. We learned in our Mishnah from a rabbi called Zechariah bin Kevutal with a bit that many times he read for the Kohanim on the night of Kippur the book of Daniel in order that the Kohanim or the Kohen Gadol does not fall asleep. We learned that it's very important that the Kohen Gadol stays up the whole night because we don't want him to fall asleep in Hasf Shalom, have a seminal discharge when he's sleeping. So therefore they would keep him up by reading uh, interesting things to him. So Zechariah bin Kibbutal was known to read the book of Daniel. So the Gemara says, 
So uh, the Gemara says that Avhanan Barabba taught this Mishnah Tehya Barab in front of Rav. Amar Rabbi Zechariya ben Kefutal. And when he taught the Mishnah, he taught it instead of calling the rabbi Kevutal with a bet, he called him Kefutal with a bet. Umihui le Kevutal. And Rav, he made a gesture with his hands, like he probably uh, waved his hands in a way to signal to them, not Kevutal, but Kevutal. But he's correcting him. So the Gemara says, Venema le memar. What do you mean? What does he have to give a hand gesture? Mm-hmm. Just let him tell him. Not kefutal, kefutal. So the Gemara says, no. Kiryat Shema havakare. Because Rav was in the middle of reading Kiryat Shema. So therefore we're going to learn that you really don't have to make any hand gestures during the... You're not allowed to make uh, any verbal uh, uh, interruptions in the Kiryat Shema. So since he was saying Kiryat Shema, he couldn't verbally interrupt. So he had to make a hand gesture, kefutal, uh, to, to let them know what the right name is. So the Gemara says, hold it. Is it permissible to even make hand gestures in Kiryat Shema? He should not make gestures with his eyes. And not make gestures with his mouth, with his lips. And not make gestures with his fingers. All these words, yirmoz, yikrotz, and yore mean the same thing. It's just different parts of the body. Yeah. They call it different things. Vetanya Rabbi Elazar Hasma Omer Hakore et Shema Umramez beinav. A person who reads the Shema and makes these gestures Umkarez besiftotav barebetz ba'ho alav kaduv Omer velo oti karata Yaakov, which means. God says, you're not calling me. You're not, as if you're saying, when you, that's the way you say, Kiryat Sheva, mm-hmm. which means, you did not call me. So, right, so therefore, uh, it's a question, how did Rab even make a hand gesture? So comes again and says, Lakasha, have a Perik Rishon, have a Perik Shini. Meaning in Perik Rishon of the Kiryat Shema, you have to have extra Kavanah, because the person says, Vayuadivri Ma'ele, which is the first parashat has to be with full concentration. However, Perik Sheni, that already starting from Bayayim Shemawa, gestures would be permissible. And Shohan Aruch and Mephashim explain that in the first parashat, even for Dvar Mitzvah, it's forbidden to make any gestures. However, in parashat Sheniyah, for Dvar Mitzvah, like in this case, over it seems it was Dvar Mitzvah to correct him, to get the proper name, it be Mutar. The Shiloh the Tzorah Mitzvah, they're Mahmidim as well. Comes the Gemara and continues. Tanu Rebanan, we have a Brayta. Vedibarta Bam. What do we learn from Vidibarta Bam? So the Achamim are going to tell us here it's a mitzvah to read the Kiryat Shema out loud. Vidibarta, you should speak them. Speak them meaning in a loud voice. So it says Bam comes to exclude something, which means Kiryat Shema can be said loudly. Velo betefilah, but not when it comes to tefilah. Meaning tefilah should be said in a low voice, like we learned actually from the prayer of Hana. When Hannah was praying, it says, Vekola lo yishameya. That her voice 
was not heard. Correct, the Amida. Exactly. Tosfot has a different understanding of this Gemara. It should be pointed out. The Tosfot, Bam Velo Betfila, we can read it, the bottom Tosfot, the early. Bam Shoel Mepne Hayirah Meshi Mepne Akavod. In Kiryat Shema, like we learned in Masikh Berachot, you're allowed to say Shalom in the middle of the Shema to somebody that you have to fear. Let's say, for example, a king. And you're allowed to respond to Shalom to someone that you have to honor. But in Tefillah, there's no responding or saying anything. Like we learned, So it comes that we have a fantastic by looking at Rashi Tosfot. What is the Vidi Barta Bam coming to exclude? That she learns Bam, it's coming to exclude that one in the Tefillah, you say it in a low voice. Tosfot learned, no, the Bab is coming to say that while you're able to interrupt the Shema for, to saying Shalom to certain people, but in the Tefillah, you cannot interrupt at all. Comes the Gemaran continues. Another Derasha. When it says that you can speak in them, yes, Yeah, you want to speak? But other things of kalutrosh, lightheadedness, and things of uh, of uh, you know wasting time talking to, to insignificant uh, talk, asur. Your speech should be limited to the Torah. Comes again and says, Rav Aha Omer, Vedibarta Bam. That you should speak in them, Ase Otam Keva. That you should make the Kiryat Shema permanent, or, or the, the Torah permanent, Ve'alta Asem Arai. And of course, do not make them temporary. Which means a person should make his learning obviously the ikar. That should be the main uh, effort, and uh, he should not uh, make it a temporary learning. Comes the Gemara Kedusha. Amar Rava, Hasach Sihat Chodim. The person speaks mundane talk, meaning not the Torah. He speaks just regular chatter, idle chatter. Over Baaseh. He transgresses a positive commandment. In Torah, but not in other things. He also transgresses. Which literally means all things that are wearing or tiring, a person cannot speak. What exactly is the derasha? Wearing the pasuk clearly says lo yuchal, so that's where they're learning the uh, the isur from. Lo yuchal ledaber, which means things that are. Uh, uh, we just said vidibarta bam, so therefore anything that you're allowed to speak is good, and things that you're not allowed to speak, so that's going to be considered as if it's wearing, as if it's uh, it's extra, it's tiring, and therefore we said, lo yuchal is a law ta'aseh. Right? No beneficial reason for it. It's just tiring. There's no purpose. Not the Torah. It's not a, a, a beneficial. Good. Next Mishnah. 
Let's say the Kohen Gadol wants to fall asleep, or they see him falling asleep on uh, Kippur, on the night of Kippur. So the young Kohanim would go, and they would literally, uh, they would snap. They call the snapping in the Mishnah, Makin which Rashi explains, it was actually the thumb snapping against the the, the pointer finger. Okay, that's the way they would. So the Gemara is going to say, why would they call the thumb etzba serada? That she says etzba serada mefaresh begemara. That she in the Gemara explains that the etzba serada is the, the thumb. Against the forefinger, four other Rishonim, the index finger. Other uh, others are going to explain it's the way we snap, which is the thumb against the middle finger. In any event, what were they trying to do? Make noise. So they would snap in front of the Quran in order to wake him up. Comes the comes the Gemara and says, "Amish the Mishnah continues." They would tell the Quran, "Is she Quran Gadol? My master, the Quran Gadol, Amod, get up." They wanted him to stand on the cold floor in order that he could wake up. Ve'hafeg ahat ala ritzbah. It means stand, some take out the word ahat. Ve'hafeg ala ritzbah literally means uh, do something humorous for us on the floor. So the Gemara is going to ask, what exactly were they asking him to do something humorous? We stand up, we understand. Stand up in order that you're cold, your feet will get cold, so you wake up. Hafeg is to... In this case over here, no, we want your sleep to go away. So I think like weaken your sleep. We want the sleep to go away. But the Gabbara is going to explain it. It seems they told him to do something humorous. So the Gabbara will explain what that was. And they keep him uh, busy. Until the time of the Shahita. Until the time of uh, the slaughtering in the morning, that's the first avodah that she says. She's between uh, letting him walk on the on the floor. Comes the Gemara and says, "My What is this etzba serada? I mean, the way the Mishnah calls snapping." What is that? Amar of Yehuda, Sarata Deda, which means the the rival or the we'll call the partner or the one next to the thumb, which is what's the finger next to it? Like a tsara. When a person has two wives, they call the second. They call each other tsarot because they're rivals. There's two of them. So it's like the partner of the thumb is the. Index, because it's that's where she learns. It's right next to it, so therefore that's what the other the other others again learn. It's the middle finger. It seems that that's the the partner to the thumb for some for some reason. But that's what they're calling it. So again, sarata deda, the thumb which has a partner next to it. Umayi, what is that uh, uh, finger? Gudal, right? It's the thumb. So Ravuna showed them how to snap, what they would do. And the snapping was so loud that it resonated throughout the entire Beta Midrash. 
Okay, put one of your uh, feet on the ground in order to weaken your uh, sleeping, to dispel your sleeping. The Gemara says, Amar of Yitzhak, Al Hadat. He said a Hidush. Rabbi Yitzhak showed a special, unique practice that was done. Al Hadat. He showed a special, unique practice. What was that? Umayhi. Amri le ahve kida. Which means he showed him, they would tell the Kohen Gadol, this was happening in the Beit Dash. he would tell the Kohen Gadol, show us Kida. What was Kida? Kida was a special way of uh, prostrating yourself by placing your thumbs on the ground and placing the pressure on your thumbs and lifting your body upward. It's like he's doing a handstand. However, he starts it with his thumbs and lifts his whole body upwardly, which is a very, obviously, difficult uh, procedure, till his mouth is actually kissing the ground. So therefore the Gemara is saying that's what they would do in the Beit HaMikdash to wake him up. She says, it seems the Kohen Gadol would do this. She says, they would tell the Kohen Gadol, Alright, show us... Uh, Thank Show you. us uh, how to do this. Obviously, that would keep the going at all up. Of course, if he was capable, if he knew how to do this. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.